Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. I wanted to save just a minute or two to introduce you to this man. Come up here, Pastor Steve. Uh, first of all... First of all, this will be the first time you've ever seen a man preach in capris and Crocs. So, is it? I don't know. I, I could wear them next week. I might just do that. But but here's oh yeah. So here's the deal. Here, here's the deal. Uh, if you don't know, how many of you have never seen this man before in your life? Raise your hand. All good. Good. You're in for a treat. You're in for a treat. This man has been in my life. Listen for 32 years. Uh, we first met each other way back in the day, and uh, I knew he was going to be a friend for life when we were sitting in a pastor's meeting, and the guy in charge said something really stupid, and I looked down the table, and I saw him roll his eyes. I go, oh, he's going to be my friend, that's for sure. And so we met up back in the day, and we became friends. Now we vacation together. Uh, in his church back in the day, there was a young man by the name of Ryan Schaefer, and unbeknownst to Hannah, they both ended up at Bethel together, and they fell in love, so our, our lives are even more entwined. He has two wonderful daughters. His uh, son-in-law used to be our youth pastor, Jake Wallace, and now Pastor Steve is on staff up there in Wisconsin. He's just a wonderful, wonderful, such a well-seasoned pastor with knowledge that I would really encourage you to listen closely to what he has to say today. Would you please stand to your feet and welcome this man of God, Pastor Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Praise the Lord. Thank you. That was nice. It's exciting to come and see your new facility and uh, see what the Lord is doing. Um, I think the last time I was here was uh, before um, that thing at the fivefold uh, meeting and haven't um, haven't been able to come back. Deb says hello for those of you who know Deb. Um, yeah, everybody's saying where's Deb? Like why are you here without Deb? Kind of thing and. <laughs> Um, that's all right. She'll be here June 6, right? June 11? June 11 at the women's conference. And she is um, totally um, underwater with preparing for that. And uh, um, she's just getting ready for that. You're just going to be so blessed. Uh, ladies, sign up for that. A women's conference, you're going to get rocked. Um, and uh, she says hello. And Pastor and Kristen say hello. They're doing so good. Uh, our church is growing. We grew through that thing and um, are, are uh, enjoying the favor of the Lord in the town that we're in and the, the things that we're doing. I was sitting there thinking about our, our history together. Um, um, as Pastor mentioned, the years before coming, he came to Springfield, and then his years in Springfield, and then over across town, and then uh, we were on staff there and uh, enjoyed some great fruitful ministry there, and that was great. And um, then uh, Jacob went up to uh, Wisconsin and in the La Crosse area, and uh, uh, started in on a church there, and we've done nothing but grow and um, finished a building project here just in the last few months. 
And uh, just in thinking about the history and thinking about our uh, relationship together and the influence that we've been able to enjoy in bringing people into the kingdom and then with encounters, I'm so glad I got to come on the tail end of encounters. Um, it's just such, such an exciting thing to encounter the Lord and to, to, to just continue that way, to position yourself to have the Lord work in your life and, and my message I didn't know that you were doing encounters, but the message is going to dovetail really nicely on the tail end of, of uh, your encounter, ladies, a couple of weeks ago and men this weekend. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to instruct you in some things on that. But just in thinking about the big things that the Lord is doing and how his kingdom just grows and grows and grows, and many of you, I would say the majority don't know me and probably haven't heard me uh, preach before, and that's fine. And then we we see friends, but to see the kingdom grow, to see destiny grow the way it's grown, and to see souls coming into the kingdom, and see you equipped to go out into your little areas, the places where you are, where you have your six feet of influence, and touch people's lives, and uh, um, bring people into the kingdom, um, um, it, it's a big deal, and so I'm excited about that. Um, so anyway, Deb says hi, and Jake and Chris say hi. I got to talk about my, those of you who are part of our lives for the, I don't know, what, I think we were here six years, five or six years in the area. And my two grandsons, Caleb, um, who's uh, Jacob and Kristen's oldest, graduated three years ago from high school and went to Christ for the Nations uh, Institute ministry training down in Dallas, Texas. He graduates this year. He got married last summer. I uh, have a, a grandson that's married. That's really, that's sobering, very sobering. And um, they're just, they're down at the school and getting ready for uh, camp this summer. They'll host between three and 4,000 kids at YFN, at Christ for the Nations. Um, kids from all over the world come and, and get their lives rocked. And he's one of, the, one of the coordinators for the camp. He's been part of that and been building that and just is dovetailing into ministry opportunities. And he's a, he's a handsome 20-year-old. And Sam, he's graduating. Samuel's graduating. He was, I, I don't know how tall he was when we were here probably only about that tall still but he's six foot three and he weighs 240 pounds he's an all-conference guard from the high school and got college offers to play football had a commitment from a college in Iowa to go play football and he said no thanks he's going to Bethel School of Ministry and he's gonna just rock it there such an amazing young man and and pursuing God and loves God with all his heart. And so um, we've just been uh, blessed and moved up to Wisconsin to be close to our grandkids. We don't give a hoot about our kids. We just want to be by the grandkids. So, But now they're all graduating and moving away. And I got a granddaughter. Uh, uh, her mom lives in Green Bay and mom and dad live in Green Bay. She went to Australia to school and they're just, they're crazy. So anyway, um, that's our life up to date. And Deb is looking forward to seeing you ladies on June 11 and is coming with the other speakers that are coming too, uh, Jenny and then uh, uh, and Kirsten, and it's just going to be great with worship and all that's going on, and so um, that's that. And uh, again, the uh, vision that's being cast here and what's being um, accomplished here is so exciting to see, and because God has a plan. 
God has a big plan, and his plan didn't change. And I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking, uh, um, and his strategy didn't change either. His strategy, um, his, his mandate was for you and me through the command to Adam and Eve was to multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And that's the call that we're still being about. We're still being about multiplying and subduing the earth. Um, the, the, the psalmist wrote, the whole earth is full of his glory. And that's what we bring. We bring the glory into this world. There was a little, a little mix up at the beginning where, um, where there's some disobedience and, and a disruption in God's plan and program. And, and, um, I was thinking, I was thinking, did God have a plan B? I was thinking, did, did he have to have a plan B? And if he had, a, had to have a plan B, he had to have a plan C and D and E and F and G and H, LMNOP, and then invent a whole new alphabet because of how prone we are to messing things up. But I don't think he had a, I don't think, I think he's on plan A. I think he's on plan A and he did what he does with us. He's saying, I've got plan A for the whole earth to be full of my glory. And this is why I think that, because that's how it's going to end. It's going to end that way. He's coming back and he's going to establish himself back to his original plan where the whole earth will be full of his glory. And there'll be, there'll be a thousand years where Jesus seated upon a place of uh, authority is going to rule and reign. It's going to be that last thousand years of experimentation to see if we can get a clue. It'll be different because we won't have the, the temptation of the demonic forces. We'll just screw it up on our own, but he'll be here to set it straight. He'll be here uh, ruling with a rod of iron and he'll be here in that last thousand years. And then Satan will be released for a season again to, for one last final little testing to see if there's any weaknesses in the system. And after that test, he'll be put away for eternity and all those who follow him will be put away for eternity. And that's why it's important for you to be what he wants you to be in your sphere right now because there isn't anybody I don't I know that one that one clerk at Walmart you'd like to see them in hell for a week but you don't want to see them you don't want to see that you don't want to see anybody you don't want to see anybody there for eternity nobody and so God keeps telling us to be renewed, to be renewed, to be renewed, to, to look and see, to examine yourself, to, to eliminate hate and eliminate anger and eliminate all of those things. I'm going to get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but uh, 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 what was lost in Eden, God is redeeming. That's still his plan. It's still his plan to bring his glory. It's still his plan to bring his presence. It's, I, Ronnie, was it? Ronnie? Yeah. Here's Ronnie. God, God brought his glory to Ronnie in a new way. And Ronnie's talking and the Holy Spirit's going. Did you see this? Did you see this? I always going to jump off the platform. If he'd have talked a little longer, that thing would have just vibrated right off right there. 
He wants to bring his, he wants to manifest his glory in you. He wants to bring his presence in you. And, and that's his plan. And, and that's what we're, we're, we're fulfilling. Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful and multiply the earth. And this continues to be his plan uh, uh, through the salvation of each and every man, woman, and child who responds to his love. Luke 19, 10 says, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And, and I, you've got a career, you've got a family, you've got all of those things. And that's the, that's the um, gymnasium that God has placed you in to uh, represent his glory, to represent his presence, to represent his kingdom. And then he's given you each your unique personality. Some of you very exuberant and, and alive and out there. And some of you very quiet and very, very subdued and very contained. But each personality God has established and said, yeah, that, that personality is going to reach those people. And that personality is going to reach those people. And in the palm of his hand and in the work of his hand, he accomplishes his glory. And that's our mandate until we breathe our last breath. Speaking of breathing uh, last breaths, um, I retired from uh, a job in uh, November. I was uh, working um, for uh, um, a place up in Wisconsin. Um, if you've ever been up in Wisconsin, Iowa, and um, uh, um, um, uh, Minnesota, um, I, I worked for a company that was in those states and enjoyed uh, employment there while uh, Pastor Jake established himself and got the church up and going. And now I retired in November and I'm working um, at the church now. I work full time and he pays me uh, part time. So that's it's kind of like my early days in ministry. And so uh, I enjoy that. But I get to uh, I get to work my own hours, uh, establish my own hours. So I'm down to 40 hours a week, so that's really great. And um, um, but the biggest benefit is I get to do whatever I want to do, and so um, it's the first time in my life at a at a job where I get to say no. And um, my wife Deb is still working um, two and a half days a week and likes likes the the flow, but she's over at the church when when she's not. Uh, we live uh, right off the backyard of the church, and um, we walk over and we keep an eye on things and all the kind of things you would imagine that we would do. But she gets to pray as much as she wants now, and that's a lot, and she enjoys it too. So anyway, that's the life that we're involved in, and and I'm enjoying enjoying that aspect and there's an aspect of of uh, I, I want to introduce kind of an idea or an aspect of rest in in Hebrews chapter 4 um, verses 1 through 10 um, if you have a Bible uh, get out your your phone Bible or or whatever you use I didn't I'm I'm horrible at um, sending things ahead to put up on the screen so you're just gonna have to do it old school with me so Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 through 10 and what I'm what I'm what I'm going to talk about right here is a, is to introduce to you something a word that um, um, we've really grown accustomed to and and kind of know what it means is identity identity your identity in Christ who you are in Christ and that's a starting place for us and so the writer of Hebrews says this therefore verse 1 since a promise remains of entering his rest say rest, rest entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. 
For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, those who did not receive it, not being mixed with faith, that is, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain way, in a certain place, of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time as it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. For there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Praise God. So all of that means this. He's established a place of, he's established a place of peace. He's established a mindset and a heart of peace for those who are in Christ Jesus. Peace is, is a cool thing. I think peace is the most wonderful miracle that God does in a person's life when they surrender their life to him. I mean, there's healings, there's deliverance, there's all kinds of things that come with surrendering your life to God. But peace is the most wonderful of all of them. To, to be at peace from turmoil, to be at peace from difficulty, um, those things assail and assault you even after you become a believer. But there is a rest, there is a peace that gets established in you when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. When you surrender to him and he comes to dwell in your heart, there is a rest from your own works. There is a rest from uh, uh, judgment. There's a rest from, uh, uh, not, not a rest from trials, not a rest from difficulty, but a rest from the final word. It is finished. I don't have to work my way to God. I don't have to try and please God. He accepts me. He holds me. He takes me in his arms. I am him and he is mine. That's that rest. Amen? Amen. And so that, that rest is that identity and that rest is established in us and, and that's the promise of entering his rest. Now that's that confidence. It's a place attained as it was said in these verses by faith. And so I don't know there's a huge variety of experiences that people have of acquiring that position. Um, um, the Bible says in Romans there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen? Does it say that there? Amen. It says that there. But many, many of us in our early walk or along the way in our walk, we struggle with condemnation. We fight with condemnation. We fight with things that the Bible says 
ought not be. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And what I learned and what I discovered was if I'm struggling with condemnation, if I'm feeling condemned, if I'm struggling with um, um, feeling like there's something between my relationship with me and the Lord, that I can that I can look to that thing, that condemnation, as a diagnostic tool to find out what area in my life I need healing in or deliverance in or freedom in so that that can be given attention to and so that I can go before the Lord and I can surrender that and I can I can be rid of that and to until uh, and this is what the writer in Hebrews said uh, until that place has been attained I go back until what the word says is true is true to me. There is now therefore no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. And so you today, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little, but you'll understand as I develop this, if, if, for you today, if you struggle back and forth with condemnation, if you struggle back and forth with, well, does God accept me? Doesn't he accept me? Um, the word says he does, so you can rest on that. And here's the battle that's going on. In your head, you read it, you read it through your eye, you bring it into your mind, and you read it, and your head says, yes, amen. But then as you're walking around through the day, you feel condemnation. Well, the reason that is, is because down in your heart, you don't believe it down in your heart where the issues of life flow from, your believer has not engaged that yet, has not embraced that yet, has not digested that yet, and made it part of your reality. Don't worry, it's still true. If you don't believe it, you just press in and you go to God and you press in until, and this is, this is for those of you who haven't been to Encounter, this is what the encounters do is they give you a time away so that you can position yourself before the Lord so that the Holy Spirit can take kind of like um, uh, I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of uh, a, a machine or a tool or something that would pump some knowledge from your head and shove it and jam it down into your heart I think I think I think most of the time what happens is for instance like when we get on encounter we we are are challenged to to move our head aside to move our mind aside and to just accept and receive with the heart and that's where God makes those big changes on encounters that he bypasses the head where this battle occurs for your victory and he goes right to the heart right to your believer he goes right to your believer and he just he just delivers it I had that I'll give you an example of that. One time, um, uh, me and my dad, uh, our relationship was estranged and um, not strange, estranged means we didn't have one. And through circumstances in our life and difficulties that we faced, and um, we just we just couldn't seem to get back on track. And so it was that way for many many years. And so for many years, um, I I ached over that from time to time. I would, uh, you know, gosh, I wish, you know, I'd like to call my dad and ask him his opinion on this and I didn't have that basically my whole adult life and so um, it was it, it was challenging but no more challenging than a lot of things you faced it just happens to be my story and so I'm I'm 
I'm saying and I'm thinking in my head, well, God's my father. He'll make up for that. It's, it's, it's often like when a marriage breaks up and then the woman needs a husband and Jesus is her husband and that, those elements. And so that, that idea, I'm going, Father, you know, you're my father. And, and I knew it in my head, but it, it didn't fix what was in my heart. There was still kind of an ache there. And one, one day in a worship service here, not here in this building, but in this body, in a worship service, while I'm worshiping the Lord, um, um, he drops into my heart, he bypasses my head and drops into my heart that um, I'm your dad and I love you. And I had thought that thought a lot of times, wanting that to be real in my heart, but he bypassed my head, he spoke it to my heart, and, and it just settled it. It just switched it. It just changed it. And that was an encounter that I had with the Lord. And, and, and you need to have a practice of positioning yourself for continual encounters with the Lord. Continual encounters with the Lord. Either to sift what's going on in your mind from the word that you read to, to dribble like water through coffee grounds into the pot, dribble through the thoughts that, that you have there because you fight the good fight and you've got the word of God and you confess the word of God. He, uh, there is now therefore no condemnation for me and, and, and you confess it and, but you just don't. And you got to position yourself for those encounters with the Holy Spirit so that that thing becomes a reality to you. And that's in so many areas of your life. So, so we have this place of rest, and it's a place that he declares that we can have. He was entered in his rest, also ceased from his works that God uh, did from his. Um, um, but the rest doesn't exist in doing, it exists in being. The rest doesn't exist in doing, it exists in being. And sometimes you got to do some being before you get the doing happening in here. But the, the doing happens when you position yourself. These testimonies up here uh, gave kind of an element of that. And, and you need to um, um, encounter God on a regular basis for that work to be done. And he says, it's not by works which we have done, but according to his mercy that that gets accomplished. So here we are saying, and we're ready for battle. And um, we want to not only establish that rest that we walk in, but we want to become equipped to become warriors, to become, um, to become overcomers, to become abundant so that, so that we become that source for other people to find eternal life, to find victory and to find, to find goodness. And so... Um, the, the next verse in that, in those verses that I read, verse 11, after we say he, for he who has entered his rest, verse 10, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And then verse 11, kind of funny, a, a weird transition. We're there in the rest. And so it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Now that word diligent is spudadzoe, to exert, to make every effort, and to be zealous. So that, that's kind of um, contradictory to rest. I have to work really hard to enter the rest. I mean, that's what it's saying. So you've entered the rest. So be diligent 
to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example, example of disobedience. So we find that position, but now there's work to be done. From that position, not to get to that position, but from your position of being his, of being his son, his daughter, born again, uh, uh, equipped and ready to go, um, equipped and, and being even more equipped. Um, because Jesus did the work required for our salvation and we embrace it by faith, let's look at how to defend that place of rest. The fight that I'm talking about isn't a fight of flesh and blood, but a fight against spiritual powers that seek to hold us in bondage of lies and deceit and to rob us of, uh, of victory. So now I'm going to turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 12. There's a, um, a discussion Jesus has. Turn there, if you, if you will. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. And this is an interesting thing. And, and um, let me read it, and then, and then I'll comment on it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. And he says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. So now... It's interesting, I'm going to start comment on the last verse first. It says, so shall it be also with this wicked generation. So his summation there is, it puts that whole three verses in a context of what he was talking about previously. And what he was talking about previously, I, you ask the question, what wicked generation? And so we jump up to verse 39, 38 and 39. It says, uh, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he talks about Jonah and the witness uh, to Jonah and, and Jonah's witness to Nineveh and how they turned and they repented. And then he talks about the queen of the south who would rise up in judgment against this generation, the generation of the scribes and Pharisees who had seen Jesus and heard him and seen his work. And so he says this little story or this little example, and it's not a parable. He's telling them, he's pulling back the curtain in the spirit realm, and he's telling them, let me just give you a, the, an anatomy of spiritual battle that goes on that you can't see. An, an unclean, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And the situation at the end is worse than the situation at the beginning. What he's telling them is that those generations that went before them and repented, they saw a thing and they learned from it. They saw a thing and they learned from it. The scribes, you Pharisees, you've seen these accounts from scripture, you've seen these accounts from our history, and yet you still ask me for a sign. A spirit has gone out from you and it's come back and it's made your hearts hearts, your hearts harder, your hearts harder than they were before. 
because you reject and you resist and you turn away from the witness that's been given. And so now you've become harder. So there's the application of that example. The example is that as the Lord gives you freedom and sets you free and delivers you from these spirits, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with that in just a minute. You need to respond to him and you need to defend that ground and you need to walk in obedience so that your situation at, have you known anybody in your life? And maybe you were this way. Maybe you gave your life to the Lord when you were a little kid and you loved the Lord and it was fresh and new. And then you kind of hung out with the wrong people or you, maybe you were the wrong people and you led others astray and you just, you just didn't hold that treasure of salvation. You didn't treasure that and you backslid and then you were living in the world and then you came back to the Lord and then you gave, gave, you know, gave it your all or whatever. And, but then, then somebody, you know, maybe they turn their back on God and now they're like the most lost person you've ever seen. They've, they've tasted and, but now they've having tasted, they've just become in bondage and you talk to them and they don't want anything to do with it. Or That's the situation he's talking about here, having tasted and then being deceived back into darkness you 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 uh, dishonor you 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 don't value that which the Lord had had done in your life and so the 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 after state is even worse than the second state or the third third state than you were in because there's a hardness of heart there that's the context of the lesson here of what he's trying to tell them to that wicked generation but there's still hope it's not hopeless there's still hope can it be done the word of God says, can it be done? And the word says, with God, all things are possible. So it can be done. So we don't give up. We continue to love. Because you know who loves that person that you love even more than you? God. And he's at work, he's at work, he's at work. So anyway, that's the context of that. But now I'm going to get into the discussion of this. Because this is a fun set of verses. We like to talk about this. And... Uh, we, we see that and, and uh, maybe you've had this experience and I've had this experience too um, um, that we look at this and so it, it starts this conversation about, well, so pastor, what are you saying? Are you saying that someone who's saved can have demons? Yeah, anybody ever heard that from this verse? Raise your hand. So I'm asking a question nobody's ever asked. Okay, well, anyway, let me introduce it to you, to you here. It's one that, that some people ask. Well, so, you know, uh, so a Christian can have a demon? Um, so they look at this house, and they talk about a person's life, and it's swept and clean, and that swept and clean represents being delivered and being set free and, and being saved, swept and clean. If, it's, if the house is the whole body, and it represents you, and then they come back, and they want to get in, and if they don't find it occupied, if they don't find it filled, then they come in and the second state is worse than the first. But I want to suggest to you an answer to the question you've never asked is this. <laughs> that as I thought about it, it's not... It doesn't represent salvation. It doesn't represent the life that has been made, the, the, the heart that has been made clean. When Jesus Christ comes to live in your heart, when the Spirit comes to dwell in your heart, 
Um, um, no one else can dwell there. He dwells there. He dwells there. You're his. Now, you're a lunkhead, and you're a lame brain, and you're a doofus, and you make mistakes, and you muddle through life, and, 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 and you don't quite get it, but then you get it better, and you get it more, and you struggle with this, and you struggle with that, but that's, and the enemy likes to tell you, see, you're not saved, but you are, because you surrendered, and you repented, and you turned to him, and you said, come live in me, so he's there. Praise God. Praise God. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. My identity is with you. Now, I'm not the best example for you, but Lord, I'm, I, I'm, I'm cooperating best I can. So then what, Steve, what do you say this represents? And what I say this represents is your mind. That thing that, that physically dwells between your ears where the battle goes on. That's the battlefield right between your ears. That's the battlefield. And your mind, these, these gentlemen and others, women's and men's encounters, you've been there. <clears throat> the Lord uh, did a work inside of you, but he also did a work in your mind. And it's swept and it's clean and critters are cast out and you're seeing things different. You're seeing worship different. You're seeing your life different. You're seeing people different. And that thing that was there before isn't there again. And it's miraculous. And if you've never had something miraculous, like that happened, you just need to get on your knees, get alone, come to an encounter, uh, 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 spend some time in the presence of the Lord and, and just, just talk to him and listen to him and let him address. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself again. So let me back up a little bit. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got lifesavers here. I need a lifesaver. <laughs> It's like when I have my CPAP on at night. I got this CPAP thing that I was wondering if the strap marks around my face this morning. But those of you who do this, you know what I'm talking about. And so, and then my mouth drops open. I got one over my nose. And then the air goes. And you can't stop it. You just have to shut your mouth. I, where does that air go when you shut your mouth? I have no idea. But my wife will poke me. And that's what happens when I preach, is there's so much air going out, my mouth gets dry. So, here we are. So here we are. When an unclean spirit goes out of men, he goes, this unclean spirit... It's in your mind, and, and, and this happens when we are encountered by the Lord. Every time you get on your... I don't want any water. I hate water. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just came out. <laughs> <laughs> I know Deb makes me drink water, but if if I drink water, then I'll have to go go to the bathroom in the middle of my message. So. I told you I retired this year, right? So, <laughs> so this puts on display the clean life. Well, here here here's the thing. Remember, I talked about that rest. 
There is now therefore a rest. Where we have a rest. We have a position. We have a place. Well, look at this in this verse. Verse 43. That unclean spirit goes out of a man. He goes through dry places. Seeking rest. This isn't the same kind of rest that you and I have positionally with God through Christ. This is a different rest. These demon spirits are disembodied spirits that don't have, that, that long for a place to dwell, long for a place to live in. They want to inhabit people. They want to inhabit people. Now, I'm not talking about, they just, I, we'll, for the sake of this discussion, we'll just say they latch on to you. They latch on to places where you let them latch on to. They can't latch on to places where you don't give them permission. But they're looking for a place of rest. It's like, it's like they're, I'm, I'm just making this up on the fly. It's like they're floating around and they want a place to rest. And so they land on you and they whisper something and they tell you something. And if you agree with that, then you've invited them there. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit in a minute. But this is all going on inside your head. This is all going on inside your mind, okay? This is the battle of the mind. So the rest that they're looking for is that kind of a rest. Actually, a better word for that rest is they're looking for a stronghold. They're looking for a hiding place. They're looking for a place to grab hold of. Remember when Jesus uh, met the two uh, demon-possessed guys and he cast the demons out of them and they said, have you come to torment us before the time? And then they asked permission to be cast into the pigs and they went into the pigs and the pigs had enough sense to kill themselves. They all ran off the edge of the cliff and they died. They were looking for a place to inhabit because they couldn't inhabit these two guys anymore because Jesus cast them out. And so now they're cast out and they're looking for a place to rest. And so now they're out there. And they're out there. I know, you know, I know that, that people don't like when someone comes along and says, oh, you're, you know, what do you, do you believe that there's a, a demon behind every rock? And I'm not, I'm not that person. I think there's two. I think the enemy, the enemy is at work to uh, Satan is is the head. He's not everywhere all at once. He's a fallen angel. But he has these different species of Elohim, these different species of inhabitants of the invisible realm, and demons are one of them. And they're disembodied, and they're looking for a place to rest. And in the end, they'll be cast into that place of darkness and a place of torment forever and ever. But for now, we have to deal with them. And it says they're looking for a, a, a place of rest. This, this, um, this, this hiding place, this stronghold, this foothold from which to operate their devious deeds of deception and death, and and they they go they're they're thrown out because of a changed thought, because of a changed idea. You you hated someone, or or you you didn't forgive someone for something they did, and 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 a message was preached, or at the encounter the Holy Spirit brought it to your mind, and you went down to the altar and you knelt and you said, God, I, I need help, and this is this is good advice. Don't be strong, don't be strong. With God, be weak. With God, be needy. With God, be dependent. Say, God, I can't do it. And God says, Fine. 
finally, because you've been trying to forgive that person in your own strength. You've been trying to forgive that person with your own power. You've been trying to make yourself obey the word that you know, and it's not working for you. So get on your knees. You got on your knees and you said, God, forgive me for not releasing them. Forgive me for not forgiving. Lord, I forgive them. And he comes in and he sweeps your house. He sweeps unforgiveness out of there. And when he sweeps unforgiveness out of there, that lying, stinking, smelling spirit that came with him to reinforce that unforgiveness, to tell you you have a right to not forgive them, to tell you you're better off not forgiving them, to tell you you're hurting them by not forgiving them, he's swept right out with it. And all the other thoughts that go with it are swept out. And you come up from that place on your knees and you say, oh God, thank you, I feel so clean. And now guard that place. Guard that place. Because he's out roaming around looking for a place to rest. He can't find a convenient spot where unforgiveness will rest. And so he comes back and he knocks on the door. And he says, hey, you want to not forgive them again? You want to go back to where that was? And you're used to that. Kind of like a scratchy wool blanket. But it's cold so you'll just put up with it. And you say, no, in Jesus' name, God set me free. I'm going to stay in that free place. And so... That's the picture that we have. This unclean spirit going out and, 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 and the wrong thoughts, these resting places where the enemy hides, these lies, these hurts, these wounds, these habits, these lusts of the flesh. These are his hiding places. And these wrong thoughts are his armor. These wrong thoughts are his strongholds. Those are the, those are the uh, uh, weapons of defense that the enemy wears to fight you, to confuse you, and attempt to defeat you against the divine thoughts of God. And that's going on right here in this space, right here in your mind. And you fight them and you agree with God and you fight. And if you're fighting, if you're whatever, I, I won't say if you're fighting, but that's where the battle is. So you are fighting. And whatever area you're fighting in, in, between your head against the enemy, you keep fighting. You just keep fighting. You just take the word in. You confess the word. But adding to confessing the word, get on your face before him. Go to encounter. Uh, uh, ask someone to pray with you and, and agree with you and believe God. And, and there's so much more. There's so much more. Just press in. Just press in. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. That's what I'm talking about. Strongholds. Strongholds of the enemy. And it says, it follows right, right there. To, to make it clear what those strongholds are, to make it clear where that battle is, it then says, casting down arguments. And every high thing. Those are thoughts. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing, or as they say in Wisconsin, maybe, maybe they talk, bringing. Do you say bringing? Bringing every thought. Do you talk like that around here? I'm moving back. <laughs> Bringing every thought into captivity. 
This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. I'm going to read it again. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. These are satanic strongholds, waiting, watching, whispering, always contributing to demonically induced patterns of thinking. Specifically, I'm talking about a house made of thoughts, made clean by the blood of Jesus, under attack by dark spiritual forces, looking for any hint of agreement by you in opposition to the truth of God. He cannot make a foothold or a stronghold or a hiding place or a resting place without your agreement. And so you start by agreeing with the word of God against what he's saying, against what your experience has positioned yourself for, that hurt or that wound or that position of unbelief. For example, for example, the thought, let's talk about some examples. The thought, I am a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. Now, you look at any story or history. Let me see what time it is. Okay, I'm done. Thank you, everybody. It was great being with you. Lord is good. Praise the Lord. I'm a failure. Here's a thought. I'm a failure. Well, why do you think that? Do you think that because that didn't go right for you or that business wasn't built or, or that didn't do that? And that every successful person, not every, probably there's some that aren't, but um, every person who's accomplished anything, you read stories, the founders of J.C. Penney, they failed at this and failed at that. The one who is doing this great thing, they failed at this and failed at that. What kept them going? I, I think they never thought they were a failure. They just thought they were still learning. But you think you're a failure. You know why? Because something didn't go how you wanted it to go. And so the enemy's going, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure. And so then you said, man, I'm a failure. And so you've been confessing that. And even though you're a believer and you say, I'm not a failure, and you cry out to God, still down here you believe you're a failure. You need a new revelation of who you are. You need a new word of who you are. You need a new word of what you are. That didn't work. But the next thing that goes on is going gonna, is gonna to be what God wants me to do. And, and God's word says you're not a failure. And so until you come into agreement with that word, if you still confess that lie and agree with that lie, you give the enemy me a place of a stronghold. And so every time he brings his minions, he brings his co-workers, he brings the dark spiritual realm around to reinforce the idea that you're a failure. He'll bring somebody who's lost and he'll have, put words in their mouth and say, man, you're a failure. And so you'll find that reinforced. And that's how these things build in your life. And you need to break that with the truth of God. He plants the seed. Your mind is fertile ground. He waters and feeds it with all these lies. Now he hides there, disrupting the truth. What truth? The truth that you are not a failure, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who doesn't know that verse? Everybody knows that verse. But who doesn't believe it? Come on now. Or the thought, I just can't forgive them. I just can't forgive them. The hurt is too deep. The wound is too deep. In your own strength, I'll agree with you, you can't. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know from his word that, my, that I shake in my boots. 
Because Matthew 6, 14 and 15, Jesus uh, says, if I forgive men their trespasses, my heavenly Father will forgive me. But if I don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will my Father forgive me. Do you see how these lies that are sown in your mind, I just can't forgive them, keeps you from the promises of God, keeps you from the power of God, keeps you from the strength of God. Here's why you need to forgive. Not so that, not, oh, that unforgiveness is such a wicked one. It's such a nasty one because you feel it down in every fiber of your being. But when you say, God, in obedience to you, I forgive. Help me forgive. I forgive. Help me forgive. And you're released and your heart is loosed. And then, wow, all power just opens up. And God opens up. Here's a picture for you. Maybe this will help. If you're struggling with unforgiveness, in other words, you hold them in judgment. You don't forgive them, so you hold them in judgment. It's like, it's like, um, um, it's like, um, I formulate this in my mind. It's like God is here. God is here and you're here and they're standing here and they're standing looking at God, but I'm standing here because I'm standing in the place of God. I'm standing in judgment and I am not belittling your pain. I am not denigrating your pain. You, some of you have had horrible, horrible things happen to you. And here I am. I, I can't forgive. I'm not going to forgive. And God's standing here tapping me on the shoulder and saying, Steve, Steve, just forgive him. You can't do my job. Judgment is not your job. He says, judgment is my job. You can't do my job, Steve. You're standing in my position. You're, you're blocking me from them. This is the idea that the word develops for us. You're blocking me from them. You're standing in my way. And you know what? If I want them to really get it, if I want that person who hurt me to really get it, I really want them to get it, you know the best thing I can do? Maybe that'll help you. Maybe that'll help you to step out of the way because you're thinking your hatred is really torturing them. It's torturing you. Because you're doing a job that you weren't equipped to do. Step out of their way. Release them into the hands of the Father. Say, I forgive you. I give you to him. Jonah did that. Jonah did that with Nineveh. And Nineveh repented, repented and he was mad. <laughs> I knew you'd do that, he said to God. I knew you'd do that. But that's what God wanted to do. And so if you don't forgive, if you have unforgiveness, then these spirit entities, these demons, they whisper and they reinforce and they build it up. And pretty soon you have an ulcer and you have heart disease and it kills you. And then... God can't get to them because you stand in the way. Because if you don't forgive, neither can I forgive you. It's all wound in together. And so this is the house cleaning. This is the sweeping. I get on my knees. I say, God, forgive me. I release them. I forgive. Just even say the words and confess those words and fight and resist the enemy who's trying to find a stronghold there. And you'll find, you'll find that, it, that it finds a foothold and a place in your heart and you'll be set free. <clears throat> one last quick one. I had to throw this one in. I thought about this this morning because those are big. Those are painful ones. But there's a lot of mild ones that we practice like envy. 
Envy has a whole squadron of demons that, that feed that and that nurture that and that nurse that. Something someone else has that you want. Jealousy, those kind of things. Get before the Lord. Get the house swept and clean and then fill that house with gratitude. Fill that house with the glory of the Lord. Fill that house with being thankful for what God is giving you. So here we are. This is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads all over this place. And let's do a little diagnostic here. All you guys and girls who are on Encounter, this is what you spent a weekend doing. And so you're going to be pretty happy that your, your house is swept and clean and, and uh, you found freedom. But the rest of you, pinpoint that thing, whatever that thing is. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe you're doing a good job. But let's do just a quick check. Envy, lust, anger. Those are things that aren't just things that are you, but they're things that make you come into agreement with the enemy on. And he just, he, he doesn't fight fair. He doesn't play fair. He starts when you're a baby and, 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 and goes through all your life harassing you. And it's why we need to be people of prayer. I love so much your pre-service prayer meeting and just going before the Lord. And, and you need to be people of prayer. We need to go against, we need to acknowledge that there's an invisible realm and we need to fight a fight in the invisible realm. And one of those fights you need to do is, is do a house checkup and say, Lord, is there, is there a place? And, and is, they're easy to find. Where do I hurt? Where am I angry? Where am I afraid? What area can't I go to? What area don't I want to touch? What area is that? Right now in your own mind, in that place where the enemy likes to fight you, just turn and face that and say, you're a lie. Just turn and face that in your mind and say, you're a lie. You're a lie. Fear, you're a lie. Anger, you're a lie. Unforgiveness, you're a lie. And I rebuke you, spirits, thoughts, anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, and I am ready to cast you down. Arguments, thoughts, things that don't align. Because my God has given me this formula. My God has given me this advice. My God has given me this information. And with this information, he follows with power to set me free. And so I say, in Jesus' name, go. In Jesus' name, get out of my house. In Jesus' name, I forgive. In Jesus' name, I am grateful. In Jesus' name, I'm not a failure. Lord, let that information go directly to my heart and set me free right now. I receive it in Jesus' name. Say that out loud. I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive it in Jesus' name. Swept and clean. Swept and clean. And now defending that territory. There was a... One last illustration, there was a um, time in my life when, when God was developing some things in my mind and, 
and um, he in in the developing of these things um, my wife and I were driving in the car and I said well I'm going to give this a try and I'm driving I didn't close my eyes to pray but I kept them open while I was driving and I said Lord if there's anything in my life that you don't like if there's a thing in my life that's displeasing to you um, tell me what it is and immediately the word sarcasm came up in my thinking sarcasm I said I see wives looking at husbands. Don't do that. That doesn't help. You accuser of the brethren. No. I mean, the whole, my wife had told me that a lot of times. And I said, uh, and, I, and I said, whoa, because that popped into my head immediately. Um, sarcasm. I said, whoa. And Deb, Deb says, what? I says, well, the word sarcasm came into my mind. And she went, duh. And... So there was, there was confirmation. That was good. And so, so then I did the next step. And, and, and you do this too, you do, when you get home or whatever. The next step is, so Lord, what do you want me to know about that? How did, not just I rebuke it or whatever. What do you want me to know about that? And all of a sudden in my mind was a picture of my dad. And I sarcastically said to the Holy Spirit, I know that. I know that's where it came from. But then following on the heels of that was a whole download of information of why my dad was that way. And it wasn't a critical download. It was a sympathetic download. And it was a passionate download. And it was a, oh, ow, and a painful download. And in that download, I got an understanding of my dad in a, in a second to second to second download. And in the next download I got, I saw myself matched up and mirrored to my dad that that's what was the thing in me too, the same thing as him. Bing, 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 just like that. It was an encounter. It was an encounter. I said, well, Lord, I don't want that. Set me free. With God as my witness, the next morning I woke up, and typically, um, typically in my life, when I was having a conversation with anybody or whatever, there were six responses lined up in my head. Clever, witty, smart mouth, caustic. Just like that. And I woke up the next morning and went about my day and my, my brain was empty. I mean, like jaw-dropping what happened. It wasn't so awesome for me because I was used to him being there. So then came the, the time to defend that ground, that clean ground, and be more vulnerable and be more honest with people and be more loving and caring. And I, I won't say that I've not been sarcastic since then, but I will say that it was tangible evidence of what I'm telling you today for fear or anger or unforgiveness or lust or, or, or envy or any of the things that you want to rid yourself of. So bow your heads one more time. Heavenly Father, seal your work that you're doing in the hearts and lives of the people here. I thank you for the encounters. And Lord, I just pray that, that people will go on encounters and keep on going on encounters and learn that process and practice it at home in between encounters. 
so that you can continue to set us free for the purpose of advancing your kingdom so that the whole earth is full of his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.